Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. You are now listening to Cultural Survival's Global News Bulletin. In news from India, on November 21st, thousands of fishermen, indigenous peoples of India known as Adivasis, farmers and other residents from Palga, Thani and Mumbai gathered at Azad Maidan to demand a complete rollback of the proposed Paravan port project in Dahanu Tuluka. According to the police, the crowd ranged somewhere between 8,000 and 12,000 people. The protest was planned under the banner of Chalo Mumbai. Resistance to the project from local communities has been gaining steam in light of recent developments and statements by Deputy Chief Minister Tavandra Fadnavas, who has vowed to pursue the port's development aggressively. Estimated to cost millions of US dollars, the Varavan port is proposed to be the largest port in Asia and is part of the center's Sagarmala program. It had earlier been called off by the Dahanu Toluca Environmental Protection Authority considering the potential damage it could cause in the region which has been declared ecologically fragile since 1991. However, the proposal for the Varavan port has been revived once again. And in news from Indonesia, the Indonesian government is failing to protect the rights of indigenous peoples who have lost their traditional forests and livelihoods to oil palm plantations in West Kalimantan and Jampi provinces. Indigenous peoples are losing their forests because of lack of government oversight and the corporate accountability which is directly affecting the indigenous people's culture and the livelihoods, says a report released by Human Rights Watch. Loss of forest occurs on a massive scale and not only harms local indigenous peoples but is also associated with the global climate change. A recently released report titled When We Lost the Forest, We Lost Everything, Oil Palm Plantations and Rights Violations in Indonesia examines how a patchwork of weak laws exacerbated by poor government oversight and the failure of oil palm plantation companies to fulfill their human rights responsibilities have adversely affected indigenous people's rights to their forests, livelihood, food, water and culture in Bengkayang Regency, West Kalimantan and Sarolangan Regency, Jambi. The report, based on interviews with over 100 people and extensive field research, highlights the distinct challenges indigenous people, particularly women, face as a result. Indonesia's indigenous communities have suffered significant harm since losing their lush ancestral forests to oil palm plantations, said Juliana Noko Mewanu, researcher and author of the report. The Indonesian government has created a system that facilitates the deprivation of indigenous land rights. And in Africa, activists on Wednesday criticized the South African court ruling approving Amazon's new African headquarters, accusing it of desecrating ancestral sites. An earlier court ruling had halted construction on the multi-million dollar project, which was to host the U.S. tech giant's offices. Khoisan people, the country's first inhabitants, claimed the development lies on a battlefield where their ancestors fought Portuguese colonizers in 1510. There is still a lack of economic activity and huge social inequalities among indigenous communities in South Africa, despite the rich history. Amazon's new headquarters will occupy 70,000 square meters of space, equivalent to almost 10 football pitches. A success story from South Africa could serve as a model for the Convention on Biodiversity's COP15 meeting in Montreal, scheduled for December 7 to 19, 2022. The mountain bush rooibos is indigenous to South Africa and is used to prepare a delightfully unique brew. The Khoi San communities were the first to discover the health benefits of rooibos, which grew abundantly on their land. However, they have remained marginalized in the trade that began in the colonial era and in the early 20th century. With more than 30 countries importing rooibos, the United States and Europe are the biggest importers. Despite this, the San and Khoi communities control less than 7% of the shrubland. 
In Namibia now, following pressure from local activists, Namibia's capital, Windhoek, removed a statue commemorating a colonial-era German official in November. Unveiled in 1965, Kurt von Francois's 2.4-meter bronze statue symbolized colonial oppression in Southern Africa. From 1904 to 1908, von Francois also participated in Namibia's bloodiest genocide, the extermination of the Namakwa Khoikhoi and Herero. According to historians, about 100,000 Hereros and 10,000 Namakwas were killed. Originally, the statue erected in Namibia was ruled by South Africa, which was then led by a white minority government. The country gained independence from South Africa in 1990. The same year, apartheid icon Nelson Mandela was released from prison. On November 27th, the President of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Felix Antoine Chisekedi, signed and promulgated a new law to promote and protect pygmy rights. This is the first time indigenous pygmy people in the country have been legally recognized as a distinct people with rights and access to free, prior and informed consent. Patrick Saidi, one of the indigenous coordinators who worked to get the protections enshrined in law, says things will not happen overnight. Since the President has signed and promulgated the bill, indigenous peoples from the DRC are hopeful that the new law will ensure free, prior and informed consent for the indigenous pygmy peoples. Certainly from this point forward, indigenous peoples will have more tools at their disposal to implement their rights. Moving to Mexico now, mega projects such as the Mayan train and the inter-oceanic corridor as well as extractivist projects are contrary to the dignity of the life of the peoples for promoting the dispossession, exploitation and destruction of territories and community life, says Mayan communities of the Yucatan Peninsula and peoples of Mexico. During a meeting of towns in resistance from the countryside and the city in Mayan territory, the communities indicated that to introduce mega-projects, companies and governments harm the environment. For their part, nine special rapporteurs and a UN Human Rights Working Group warned that the Mayan train could endanger the rights of the indigenous peoples and other communities to land and natural resources, cultural rights and the right to a healthy and sustainable environment. In Honduras, the National Congress began its first debate with the discussion and approval of the draft law for the prevention, care and protection of internally displaced persons. Deputy Ligia Ramos pointed out that the initiative aims to create a state policy that helps and protects victims of forced displacements for reasons of violence in addition to giving them psychological help. The official points out that in Honduras, 55,000 families have been victims of internal force displacement due to extortion, gangs, human trafficking or because their property had been taken away. Those affected leave their places of origin because they are given 24 hours and there is no state policy to deal with it. When the law is approved in a year, it will be operational, the legislator pointed out. The person in charge of coordination will be the Human Rights Secretariat with the accompaniment of the Presidential Secretariat, the Security, Health and Education Secretariat, the Foreign Ministry, the Property Institute and the Police to provide comprehensive safety to the affected. That is all for this edition of Cultural Survival's Global News Bulletin. For more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org and follow Cultural Survival on Facebook and Twitter.